Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Corey. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Third Street Community Church, and it is my distinct honor and privilege this morning to be back with you bringing the word. It's always uh, good for me. It does my heart really well uh, to be able to, to get away for a little bit. Um, but not for the reason that, that, that you might think. See, while most people get away and they're like, ah, this is so resting and relaxing and, 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 and I feel recharged and I can just breathe a little bit better. I'm like the exact same except the opposite, right? Um, in, that, in that I have about a threshold. I have about a four, if it's really a good time, five day max threshold where I'm like, this is nice. And then after that, I'm like, it's time to be home, right? It's good for me to get away, not necessarily for the rest and the recharge, but so that I can be reminded that there genuinely is no place on this stinking planet that I would rather be than Northeast Ohio. And I know right now, with two feet of snow on the ground, you're shaking your head, you're rolling your eyes, and you're like, yeah, right, Pastor, get the heck out of here. But I'm telling you right now, if God were to put Eden on this earth today, what's up, Eden? It would be, it would be in Canton, Ohio. I'm telling you, Northeast Ohio is the place to be. I'm extremely excited to be there, but I will also admit that a great portion of my excitement to get back has everything in the world to do with you all has everything in the world to do with the family that we're coming back to and to be a part of what God is doing here in this wonderful, beautiful, soon-to-be-redeemed-in-Jesus-name city. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, I done talked nice to you for about 10 seconds, so now it's time to get in your business. We've been going through this series. It's kind of a joke. Relax. We've been going through this series called Church Clothes. Are you with me this morning? Can you say Church Clothes? church clothes, when we were praying about what is the word for our church this year, as we were praying about like, what is it that the Lord has for us to get into this year? There were multiple of us that heard separately and then came together and we heard the Lord telling us to be prepared, to get prepared, that you're in the middle of war, but the battle's about to, the heat in the battle is about to turn up a little bit. And you and your people, you and your family need to be prepared. And as we searched and prayed through the scriptures, what was revealed to us in Ephesians chapter 6 is that, is that when it's time to get pre prepared, God is wholly concerned about what you put on. What he instructs us to put on and what we would have been talking about for the last few weeks and will continue to talk about for the next several weeks is his instructions through the Apostle Paul written in the letter to the Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God. The scripture tells us that we can't fight this fight ourselves. That it's not our own strength that's going to get us through. The analogy that I continuously love to use is you don't see Tony Stark walking out in his regular clothes to fight Thanos. So why are we trying to take on the temptations and the tricks of the devil without some sort of armor put on us? And the Lord promises to give us what it is that we need. He promises his strength, his strength that is already won. 
his strength that is already overcome. He also promises that our enemy is a lot trickier and a lot stronger than we realize. That the weapons that he fights with are supernatural and he doesn't fight fair. But for that exact reason, he gives us the equipment. He gives us the enablement. He gives us the empowerment that we need in order to succeed in this one, in this life, and for eternity. Last week, as we got to verse 14, and we talked about the belts of truth, this week, we get to finish that verse. I know that drove some of you crazy, that we did half of a verse. Well, today, we're only going to do the other half. But it's a complete, it gets, it gets a complete thought. So you're welcome. If you would, turn, and turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We began our journey several weeks ago in verse 10. And now we're ready to read through verse 14. So for the sake of recap and for what we're talking about today, this is Paul's letter to the Ephesians starting in chapter 6, verse 10. And it reads like this. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Church, say, therefore. therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, say, therefore. therefore, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. When I was a kid, uh, about the time that uh, my two much older brothers um, got out of the military, there was this craze that was sweeping the nation. It was this new sport that we had never heard of before called paintball. Oh, the groans tell me that you're familiar with paintball, where you fill guns with Balls of paint, and you shoot them at each other. Well, when I was younger, I was invited to go play paintball with my older brothers and their friends. And that was a big deal, because there's a big age gap, right? And I wasn't quite at that age where I was cool to hang out with yet, right? Like, I was still at that age where, like, I'm kind of dorky and nerdy, and I still got, like, my baby fat going, and, like, I'm not really cool to, like, tag along, but I'm also too old to take to the mall in public, and girls think it's cute, right? So, like, I'm just kind of, like, in this awkward doppy phase, and, and they invited me to go with them, but I got to be honest with you guys. I wanted to go really bad, but I was super scared because... I don't know, like, if y'all have the reflex that I have, but when a gun is pointed at me and a trigger is pulled, I'm concerned about the pain I feel on the other side of the, you know what I'm saying? I'm worried. It scares me. So I did what felt logical to do to protect myself from the pain, but still be able to go. 
I wore a life jacket. Yes, as you can imagine, I got all types of grief, but I couldn't help it. I was scared. I didn't want to hurt. I don't like pain. It's not something I choose. And so I went paintballing. Everybody's lined up in their own zone, two teams, and then all of a sudden the whistle blows. Go. And everybody rushes to the middle and just starts pop, 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 except for me. I stay in the back because I'm still not sure how this is going to go. I've got my protective gear. I double check it. I wipe the fog off of my goggles. I double, ti double tighten the strap on my life jacket. I duck behind a barrier and I sit there. And I wait. And I watch as I'm peeking around the corner. I watch as people, up, up, up over and over and over and I watch as these people are being eliminated until I realize that the, there's only two people left on my team and, and, I, and I have the thought because I was smart this is before I got hit with paintballs I was smart I thought you know it'll be a lot worse for me to be the only one left that everyone's hunting than it would be for me to just go ahead and get up there and get involved. So I was like, here I go. I'm going to make my move. And so I get up there, and I do a little combat roll into the next barrier. Really, I crawled like a baby, but this is my story, not yours. And then I hear the whistle. It's over. My teammate beat everybody else, and my team won. And so I stand up victorious. Yep, you know it. And I don't know if you've been paintballing or if this is just like my brothers and their friends, but after you get done with each round, you all stand on the side and collect your breath and you tell your war stories from the past round, right? Bruh, I was behind this one thing and then I seen you coming and I knew that if I went this way, you was going to see me. So I went ahead and went back this way and then I would have, and everybody's got a great glory story of how they did something awesome in that round. I didn't want to be left out. So I shared mine, Right. I painted the picture like I was Rambo up in the front, bop, 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 straight across, right? And then I, I made sure that everyone knew, and I didn't even get touched. Nobody even got me. Nobody even came for me. And then somebody was like, dude, turn around. And I turn around, and there's just paint all over my back. Somebody had drilled me. And what we realized was that in the face of war in the face of battle i turned and ran the other way and hid but can i tell you something i didn't feel it Amen. i didn't feel it i got shot all over all over my back and didn't feel it not once and while everybody else was complaining about their bruises and while everybody else was licking their wounds i was chilling I didn't feel a single thing. When it comes to the breastplate of righteousness, that is the level of protection that the Apostle Paul means to communicate to its readers. But how can righteousness serve as such a, a life jacket, right? 
Well, we got to start with at least somewhat of an understanding of what righteousness is. There's three ways that I, that I like. These are not my points. I, I know you, what you were thinking. Dilo, I'm looking at you specifically. There's three ways that I would use to describe righteousness. First of all, righteousness is the state of he who is as he ought to be. The state of she who is as she ought to be. Being how you ought to be. That's what it means to be righteous. Let me give you another one. It's the condition acceptable to God. There is nothing else. God demands perfection. There can be no blemish presented to our Lord. Last one. Being in right standing with God. See, these blemishes separate us from the perfection that is God. Righteousness is the ability to be presented to God perfect and blameless. It is a state of being that is exactly how God designed it to be. That's righteousness. But that that is not in our experience been attainable, has it? Now I have three points, three points only, and then I'm out your way. Point number one, righteousness comes from Jesus. First and foremost, the Apostle Paul writes in a different letter, this one to the Romans. He writes that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You remember the first week, us talking about what it meant to be in Christ or in the Lord. If you don't, go back and listen to it. It was good. But he says, for those who have been brought in to Christ Jesus, for those who have accepted their adoption into the family of our Lord, there is no condemnation for you. Pastor, what are you saying? In other words, through the sacrifice and ministry made by Jesus, given to us freely, we can now stand before an almighty judge in our God in heaven. And when that gavel makes the little sound, we hear not guilty. I don't know if y'all been through some things that makes you feel how wild that really is or not. I don't know if y'all really have an appropriate perspective of all the stuff that you have done and all the stuff that you have been through that makes that such a radical theological idea. That no matter how high the sin has mounted up, the Lord has declared you not guilty. That no matter how deep into a hole you have sunk, through the Lord Jesus Christ, you are brought into a family that declares you righteous. That says, not only are you not guilty, but you are allowed to stand here. That you belong here. That you get to be a part of this family. That you get the inheritance. That you get to receive all that is coming to you eternally that you did not earn. But has so freely and graciously been extended to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Righteousness can come only from Jesus. But here's the thing. The enemy doesn't want you to believe that. 
The enemy doesn't want you to believe that. Satan's title in Greek is literally translated slanderer. Slanderer means this is his name. This is his title. This is his MO. The way that you look at your medical physician person and say, doctor, is the way that we look at Satan and say, slanderer. This is what he does. He wants to attack your reputation. And you know the main person he attacks your reputation to is you. You are the main person he talks badly about you to. He wants to remind you of all of the wrongdoing. He's the reason that when I say you have been declared by Jesus not guilty, a thought in the back of your mind pops up, yeah, but you don't know about. That's the devil. That's Satan wanting to remind you of all of the reasons that you should not be declared righteous. And then he wants to attach a label to that wrongdoing, causing you to completely forget the fact that it's in the past. Causing you to completely forget that this isn't a label that God has given you, but it's something that you wrestle with. It's something that you actively have to fight against, but that ultimately the Lord has set you free from. The hope that we have in righteousness and justification this morning is that while Satan and Twitter will never let you forget, Jesus has set you free from all the accusations. Jesus has set you free from all the wrongdoing. Jesus has made it so that you can be declared righteous on judgment day for those who find themselves accepting their invitation to be a part of the family. Let me ask you, what makes it so hard for you to believe that Jesus has made you right with God? What makes that so hard to believe? What is it in you or that you've been through that makes you think of people that it's impossible for you to believe that Jesus could declare them righteous? What's the recurring narrative that Satan tells you that makes you think God hasn't included you in his family? One of the ways, let me just go here real quick, and I promise I'll get right back on track, but one of the ways that we are able to beat the accusations of the enemy, one of the ways that, that God gives us and outlines for us to be able to overcome all of the, the accusations of wrongdoing in our lives at the hands of Satan is through confession. It's through confession. 
Paul writes in that same letter to the Romans. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scriptures say everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. In other words, when you get it out there, When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus has covered my sin, then you cannot be put to shame. James says it another way. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. James says that there's healing in confession. There's redemption in confession. I know a lot of times we think that there's shame and there's guilt, but that's actually the exact thing that we're beating by getting it out in the open. He says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is at working. Let let me say it to you plainly. We have no reason to keep these things in the dark because we are able through Christ Jesus to stand before our Lord not condemned. There's no reason to keep this stuff in the dark. There's no amount of shame. There's no amount of guilt that should be good enough reason for you to hide anything from Christ or from your brothers and sisters thereof. And here's the thing. Satan will absolutely use what we are actively trying to keep in the dark. Isn't that the main thing he talks to you about? Is the stuff that nobody in this room even knows about? Is that not the very struggle he's flashing before your face on a daily basis? And here's here's why, right? He's not doing it for no reason. I don't actually know that Satan actually gets any pleasure out of you being mentally tormented. I think he's trying to prevent something. This is why. Point two. It's because righteousness empowers character and conduct. Satan wants you to believe it's the other way around. Satan wants to tell you that it's your character and conduct that declares you righteous. That it's you being a good person. That it's you having high integrity. That it's you doing enough good things publicly so that everybody can see your good works that makes you righteous. But Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. That's a classic flipping of the the script. He's been doing it since Genesis 3. It's actually the opposite. It's righteousness that empowers character and conduct. See, the devil is comfortable letting you buy the t-shirt. The devil is comfortable letting you buy the shoes. The devil is comfortable letting you buy the Christian gear you need because he knows that none of that gear means you can actually hoop. But when we understand that our righteousness comes from Jesus and that it is only by grace that we are able to be transformed. When we come to that point of understanding, not just understanding, but acceptance, right? My kids hear me all the time, but they're not listening, right? We, we hear about righteousness, but we're not listening. We hear about what Jesus did for us, but we're not listening. When we get to a point of listening, 
that our righteousness comes from Jesus, we're able to tap into the life he always meant for us to live. I promise you, watch it happen. When we accept and understand and receive that our righteousness comes from Jesus, we begin to discover usefulness for our design. A lot of us are still to this day trying to figure out what we're good at, what our contribution should be. But when we understand that our righteousness comes from Jesus, that perspective begins to shift and we realize the divinity in our design. When, When we've accepted our position as being made right with God, that we're no longer condemned, we find meaning and purpose behind where God has placed us. Some of us only think we're stuck in Ohio. Some of y'all said that to me 20 minutes ago. But when you discover, when you discover that Jesus has made you in right standing with God and that now you're able to tap in, now you're able to live into God's design purpose for you, you suddenly gain the perspective of purpose and meaning right where your feet are placed. You begin to develop This one might be the most needed. You begin to develop a kingdom perspective in the midst of a polarizing, hateful world that the devil controls. How much of our outlook is actually being controlled by Satan himself? But when we receive our righteousness from Jesus, when we tap into our right standing with God, we're able to have almost this like third perspective. An outsider's view, it feels like sometimes. It's a kingdom perspective of what is really happening outside of what the devil is doing. But here's the thing. It's not going to happen if we're living our lives the way that everybody else lives theirs. It's not going to work. If we're trying to find our righteousness in what other people are doing, in what works and and what makes it look like other people are successful. We're not going to be able to tap into that. What makes us able to tap in is when we realize that we're only transformed when we live our life conscious of all the Lord has set us free from and intentionally, and, and we become intentional about doing the things he tells us to do. Can I keep it real and get in your business real quick? Do you know what the Lord has told you to do? Do you know what the Lord has told you to do? Are you familiar with his general inspired instruction in scripture? Or has it been a minute since you've looked for his voice in there? Are you spending time in prayer, seeking God's specific divine spiritual wisdom and perspective and insight on your situation? Do you have an inkling about the direction he's compelling you towards? Are you daily, hourly, momently 
developing all that the Lord has entrusted you with. Because that's the only way we overcome the temptations of the devil. The only way we're able to consciously, clearly say no to what Satan is offering is when our time and our energy is being spent developing what the Lord has given us, not what we're out here looking for. That's the way we overcome the temptation. It's the way we overcome the accusations. The righteousness that we receive, that transforms our character and our conduct. Let me give you one more and then I'll get you out, get out your way. Righteousness, righteousness gives confident authority. Paul uses the imagery of a breastplate. Now, there's not many of us in this room, matter of fact, I don't know that there's more than one or two that have ever found us, found ourselves in a situation of combat where we've had to put on a physical type of armor for our protection, right? So we may not be super familiar. So let me break this down just a little bit, right? When Paul says breastplate, it's not, you know, the toy soldier's a little misleading because you can just snap on the, you know, that little, that little silver piece, right? It's actually not like that. It's actually this piece of armor that consisted of two parts that covered your back as well as your front. And it would cover your back as well as your front from your neck down to your middle. It was total covering. And what's it covering? The most vital organs you've got. The ones that make you allowed to live. I'll let you all break it down for me how it all works later, but I'm pretty sure you can't live without the organs that are in here. Fair enough? It protects the most vital parts of your being, but it protects it fully. And being that your most vital organs, including your heart, is covered and protected, it would instill the confidence in a soldier to walk upright to not have to worry about being hunched over and protecting themselves because they're covered. The breastplate allows you to walk upright. The breastplate allows you to walk confidently into combat because you know, can't nobody get me here? Can't nobody get me here? Can't nobody get me here? It's not happening, I'm covered. The fact that God has freed us from all sin in our lives and the character we're able to spiritually develop as a result combine into one protective plate that covers us front to back. It forms protection that cannot be broken by the accusations of the enemy. It forms protection that cannot be broken by even the toughest of blows delivered by Satan. It forms protection that guarantees not a single piece of your heart can be taken away from you. It would make you feel 
confidence. It would make you feel safety. And the ability to walk through battle with the authority that you have rightfully been given. Let me make it very plain, if it hasn't been already. How much more boldly would you live your life if the righteousness Jesus gives you and develops in you was a literal piece of protective armor? How much more boldly would you live in your faith if you viewed Christ's righteousness in your life with the ability to protect your mental state? With the ability to cover your heart? How much more confidently would you move in this fallen world if you knew that you were protected? How much more empathetic would you be if you knew you could kneel down to the party that was hurting without the scrutiny of those who were coming at your back? How much more outspoken would you be at the dinner table, at your family table, at work, at school? How much more bold and outspoken would you be if you didn't have to risk the fear of exposure? How much more courageous would you be? How many more places would you go in our city if you were free from the fear of physical harm? Does the righteousness given to you and developed within you instill that level of confidence? Do you have that level of confidence to walk upright with authority given by the Spirit? I got to tell you, it doesn't matter how far away from Canton I go or how long I stay away. I cannot escape the tragedies that our people are going through. It's that steep. It's that significant. People are hurting. People are suffering. People are dying. There's a spiritual war going on. And what I need us to begin to get a grasp of as a church, as a community, as a family, is that God's salvation doesn't communicate to us, I'm going to take you out of the battle. He doesn't say, I'm going to take you up to heaven right now. He doesn't say, I'm going to keep you over here in this protective bubble that exists in this gym at 11 a.m. on Sundays and ends whenever the pastor feels like. Right? He doesn't keep you in a protective bubble. He's like, oh, nah, you staying in it. You're in it, my son. You're in it, my daughter. You're in the heat of it. No, 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 I didn't come. It's not, it's not your time to be pulled out of it yet, but here, so that you don't feel abandoned as an orphan. Allow me to equip you with what you need to not succumb to the pressures of the enemy. See, it's righteousness. It's living into the way that God designed us to live. It's discovering his spiritual purpose for our life that allows us the confidence to be upright. Yeah. 
and to boldly proclaim the gospel in the darkness and to lead people forward. He doesn't pull us out of the battle. Instead, he shields us to be able to take some hits. So that someday when you get to heaven, where there is no more need for armor, you'll take it off and look and be like, dang, they really lit me up in the back. It's important that we get a hold of this because people need to hear the good news. People need the good news of being made right with God through Christ. When you're out here outside of a community of faith, the road back to God or the road to a God that you've never known feels really, really far. They don't understand how near Jesus really is to the brokenhearted. So they need to hear the message that Jesus has made them right with God. People... People need to know that they were made in the image of God. That's why things like Epic exist, because the devil is so good. He's mastered the ability to have people find their identity in everything but God. People find their identity in the amount of people that click on their social media profile. When you say it that trivially, it seems kind of stupid, doesn't it? People find their identity in the amount of money they're able to make off of these crazy ideas that they come up with. People find their identity in all these, like the devil has mastered the ability to get people to go down all these lanes of traffic except for the one that's flowing up. People need to hear that they were made in the image of God, which means there is a beautiful design for your life that is perfect and exists in harmony with what, the God, with what God of the universe has planned. That you were made this way on purpose. That there is intention behind every single aspect of who you are. People need to be shown. They need to be shown the way by those who are not afraid to walk confidently upright and lead by the authority given by Christ through the Holy Spirit. Because church, because of the freedom from sin and the transformation by the Spirit in our lives, we're protected from the enemies that's killing our brothers. We're protected from the ploys that's tripping up our sisters. And so it's time that we accept our rightful position in this battle with the ability to stand confidently, upright, protected, and with authority as the beacon of hope for all of those who are falling around us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your sovereignty. Lord, we thank you that while it feels like life around us has gone to chaos, you have not lost track of a single person. You have not lost track of a single detail 
and a single design in your plan. And Lord, it feels as if at times the weapons of the enemy are too great for us to keep moving forward. So Lord, we gratefully receive the protective covering you've placed over our hearts. We gratefully receive the protective covering you've placed over our bodies found in the sacrifice of Jesus so that we can be a part of your victory so that we can confidently stand straight with our heads forward not wavering in the face of weapons knowing definitively and confidently that you have a plan and that you are using this to call more of our people into the family. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the ways that we have acted like that your covering is not enough. And I pray by the inspiration and the strength of your spirit that we would move outside of these walls with the confident, upright authority that has been given to us by the Spirit's presence in our lives. Lord, I pray that your Spirit, while Satan is whispering to us all of the reasons we can't, I pray that your Spirit is the voice that is clear in our minds. That sends us into the darkness to free the enemy's slaves. Lord, I pray that for those of us who have been struggling mentally and emotionally with the messaging of the enemy, Lord, I pray that your spirit would remind us on a daily basis when we wake up in the morning that by the evidence, by the very fact that you have put breath in our lungs means that through your son, you have a purpose for us that day. I pray that your spirit would remind us that by our very presence in this battle means that you have a role in victory for us to play. Lord, I pray that your spirit would surround us with the people and give us the strength to hold on to victory. To remember that while we have fallen short of perfection so many times, at just the right time, your son saw fit to save us and declare us righteous. We pray these things in the name that makes it all possible, and that is Jesus. All who believe say, bless up.